You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. I think what you're trying to ask is uh, why am I so insistent upon giving out to them that blackness, that black power, that black pushing them to identify with uh, 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 black culture. I think that's what you're asking. It's, it's, I have no choice over it. In the first place, to me, we are the most beautiful creatures in the whole world, black people. I mean, and I mean that in every, every sense, uh, outside and inside. And to me, we have a culture that uh, is surpassed by, 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 by no other civilization, but we don't know anything about it. So again, I think I've said this before in the same interview, I think uh, at some time before, my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host, Elisa Word, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of Intelligent Radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning, Elisa. Thank you for being with me, one of my queens of intellect members, if you are a first-time listener I call all my listeners um, intellectual outcasts. So that's what's new for you, Alisa, because it's been a while since you've been with us. Uh, but if I will, just to share with y'all, queens of intellect, I make sure I always keep a sharp sister on this thing with me to make sure we navigate all of these questions with a black woman's perspective. So again, thank you, Alisa, for being uh, black with us, as I, as I like to say. So if you will, Queen, say hello to the intellectual outcast, formerly known as truth seekers, if you will. But say hello to the intellectual outcast out there and tell them who you are before we introduce our special guest. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Grand rising to everyone. So it's good to be back. I know it's been a while since I've been on. I am an emotional intelligence practitioner uh, as well as a certified assessor trauma support specialist, and a diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant. So there's a whole lot of stuff going on in there. But at the end of the day, my whole goal is to make sure that we get an opportunity to live this life that we have, which is a gift, to the best of our ability. And so I am happy to be able to uh, become part of this conversation this morning and discuss this because this is a really good topic. I love talking about things when it comes to from a communication perspective, so I'm ready to just jump right in. Uh, thank you so much, and your expertise will shine specifically on this show. Um, as I bring a returning guest, a longtime listener, longtime supporter, Jason Warner, thank you, King, for being on the show with us again this morning. If you will, say hello to our intellectual outcast out there listening. Tell them a little bit of your background before I let the cat the bag on this morning's discussion question. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Montoya. I appreciate you. Good morning, Queen. Uh, 
appreciate you. My name is Jason Warner. I'm a husband, a father, a son, a brother, uh, and I, I, I guess a, a, just a person that loves to see our community grow. Um, and I'm excited to be here. I'm a communicator by trade, um, and uh, I do a lot in the community. Yep, whole lot. Also, the owner of Own the Vision Academy, who some of you may have heard us speak on that over the past year. So, um, big things to come from this brother, and we're going to be linking up the Mental Dialogue Community Club even more with the Own the Vision, just kind of highlighting that since I have an opportunity to have this brother on with us. Without further ado, let's get into this morning's discussion. If you're a first-time listener, I always tell people we are the best in the world at having hard and difficult and necessary conversations on race, sex, culture, and business in the African-American community. And this morning's discussion question, again, I go by the name Black Socrates, so I kind of take it as taking the Socratic approach by asking the right questions to get to the right answers, if you will. So this morning's discussion question is, are black men voiceless in society? Are black men voiceless in society? So we'll start with you, Queen. Uh, When I ask you to say, hey, can you rock out with me? This is the title of the show. We always like to start with just your first initial thought. Don't go too in depth. We got a special, you know, got a break coming up. But if you will, just share your initial thought when you heard the question worded that way specifically. Yeah, thanks for that, Montoya. When I heard that question, you know, it kind of gave me a moment. I had to pause for that on that. But my response to that is, you know, when you ask the question, are, are black men voiceless? I have a counter question that says, are we uh in a place where where we are um informed enough to have the language capacity to stand the voice of black men. So is it that our black men are voiceless or are we just not equipped to hear the language? Are we not willing to hear the language? Are we not able to hear the language? Are we not pausing to hear the language? Because the language is not only verbal, but it's nonverbal. And I think that a few years ago, um, I became an editor for uh, an online men's publication in the Raising Boys section because I'm a mom who, you know, raised a couple of great young men. And um, having those conversations over and over with our staff and me getting to learn some things and unlearn some things made it a lot different for me to hear the voice of our men versus um, thinking that men were voiceless. So I just wanted to add that little counter to that. No, absolutely. I think it's a, a great uh, – I, I hear it as a great perspective in one, your willingness. Um, again, we always, again, keep that brief, that, in a sense, that female perspective on all of these shows. So – kind of dope to know that, you know, in the sense that you have that background. So, in a sense, you're the perfect queen of intellect uh, member for this show, if you will. Jason, I'll turn that question over to you as well. Just your first initial thought. Uh, I know I've been, you know, we've been kind of trying to massage and get you on the show to do this dialogue. I I, I don't know if you saw the promotions for the show, but I highlighted in a sense um, your courage and and integrity, even even having the willingness to do this show because I was promoting this show uh, I highlighted the fact that there was a lot of situations in which um, African-American men would like to, in a sense, lend their voice, but they, in a sense, in their mind, smarten up and won't do it anymore for various reasons. And so you've always, in a sense, had that willingness. So, again, I applaud you for that. And we were originally talking about, you know, 
the perspective of who supports black men, and I changed it to this title. So if you will, when you saw the title change, just give me the initial thought that made you say, you know what, I like that title versus who supports black men, if you will. So you just kind of give, you know, let us give us a little um, behind the scenes on the thought there. Uh, you know, it's, this, this, this topic is interesting, right? Um, because I think society, the majority of us, listen to respond versus listening to hear what's actually being said. And the, the social media society, the mainstream society currently uh, doesn't want to hear, in my opinion, the voice of black men. And I say men in particularly because a lot of black boys are saying a lot of things, and it doesn't mean the age of that person, right? Um, and in my personal opinion, the value of the voice of a black man is 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 lessened currently, and that's just my personal opinion. Now, that's a good initial thought. We'll get to more thoughts after this break. We got about a minute before a break, at least, so just interested in hearing Jason mention the idea that, um, you know, Jason's personal opinion is the black man's voice is devalued currently. Um, can you give me a thought in a minute or less before we go to the break? Um, just hearing that from this brother, what was your initial thought, Queen? Absolutely. I, I totally agree with what, what he just said about that um, the voice of a boy is uh, – tends to be higher, and, and there's a shrill that goes to the voice of a boy if you think about that, right? So you pay attention to that. But when, when it comes to a man, there's more, more solidity in that voice. There's more uh, power in the number of words used as opposed to just pontificating on. And that's what people are listening to. They're listening to the shrill of a boy that's out there. They're not listening to that force, that commanding force full of wisdom that is uh, in a man versus a boy who grew up. Totally, totally on board with that, Montoya. Now, I love the analogy, Jason. And, again, just to even give clarity before we go to break, um, I definitely hear it in the vein of, uh, in a sense, since we're in the social media, in a sense, those who have failed to, in a sense, reach a level of manhood, because as I always say, um, you're not man by via age and by via what's between your pants. Manhood is something that's taught and learned in each culture, and um, so we've missed the boat in some places, but for those who have reached that, a lot of them are feeling unheard, as you heard Jason give his personal uh, perspective on that. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good, it should be illegal. But if you missed the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of intelligent radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. And remember, all I ask is that you think. Do you need marketing designed specifically to compete in today's digital age? Well, look no further than Emoreg Digital Business Solutions. 
a marketing agency that's well-equipped to provide solutions to the challenges faced by businesses looking to acquire and retain customers in today's ultra-competitive marketing world. Whether it's video creation, website or logo design, mobile app development, social media and email marketing, or e-commerce design and development, Emores Digital Business Solutions has the answer. Visit them at EmoresDBS.com. That's E-M-O-R-E-J-D-B-S dot com. Or call 864-221-3632. That's 864-221-3632. Emores Digital Business Solutions. We're the solution to your marketing challenges. Y'all really can't stand it whenever I make a post defending black men. There's always a barrage of comments like, we got to hold them accountable. Don't get me wrong, I'm all for accountability, but when do we not hold black men accountable? It's like every day, every time I get on the internet, someone is always talking about what black men not doing right. As a matter of fact, the only time we do bring up black men is to hold them accountable for the stuff that they not doing. I mean, it's almost like we're letting our personal experiences and the media first and foremost dictate how we feel about our own men. Never mind the several instances of black men who are protecting black women. Never mind the black man who pulled a black woman out of a burning building. Never mind the black man who jumped in front of a group of girls and lost his life defending them. Never mind the black men who were taking 12-hour shifts to defend a black woman in their neighborhood. Never mind that the majority, the vast majority, over 80% of black men are married to black women. We gotta stop letting the media tell us that our men don't love us and protect us. That's a lie. This country is hell-bent on destroying our men. Let's not help them. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host, Alisa Word. Our special guest is Jason Warner. This morning's discussion question, are black men voiceless in society? We'll start with you again, Jason, as our special guest. As you hear Erica Lachey, love this queen, giving her perspective sometime last year, uh, uh, how she sees, in a sense, the narrative that I think you, that you, that you were speaking of but interested in hearing your thoughts and response to what she had to say uh, on the idea that America's hell bent on, in a sense, destroying the black man, all despite the realities. Your thoughts, King? You know, it, it goes kind of into what I was saying, right? Uh, I, I don't, I don't want to say it's destroying, but the voice is not there, or and you, you get pushed back so many times, oftentimes. You, you start to say, you know what, I just won't say anything. Um, it, because th- this this word toxic masculinity continues to come up. This word, uh, you know, not protecting, not providing, not doing all of those things. But when that man uh, speaks up to speak to those different things, it's almost like you're trying to, you have to defend every action, every single word that you say uh, or, or every thought process that you say that may not correlate with the social media society. And, and, I, and I, I, I put that social media society out because that's where this is coming from, right? Um, she, she made a great point. 80% of black men are married to black women. We, we're, we're taking care of our children. We're out there. And you made a point, some, a show, some shows way back that I was on, and it, and it stood out, and we kind of talked about this not too long ago. I personally surround myself with black men that are doing positive things, right? Um, so I may just be a victim of my circumstances or my environment, right? But I don't know 
many men that don't stand up, don't speak up, and don't do the right things. But you constantly hear, oh, this voice, you, 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 shouldn't, you can't say that, you can't do that. Oh, we don't need to hear what you, you have to say. Uh, why, are you, why are you stepping into this conversation? And then at the same time you hear, oh, that man didn't stand up for, or protect this black woman or X, Y, and Z. So at, at times it, it gets to a point where you're just like, you know, what, what do I do? I'll just take care of my, my current situation, my family, my kids, and my surroundings and stay quiet. Alisa, any thoughts to Jason's thoughts? Absolutely. I think, um, and, and I, I think he spoke very well to that point, Jason, about the fact that you might be a, a victim of your own circle, of your own circumstance. And I think that we all can can say that about ourselves because when we purposely surround ourselves by certain types of people, um, we can sometimes become distant from other things that are happening. But again, to your point, um, you know, when people get to that point where they say things like, well, you know what, I just won't say anything, I won't do this, I won't do that. What, what I've realized is that, you know, true heroes are heard quietly, yet they act boldly, right? They act boldly in situations where they need to. And I think that one of the things that I'm personally seeing is that we have a growing number of boys in men's bodies that are out in this world today. And I think that if we had an opportunity to have more men, such as those in your circle, mentoring some of these young men so that they could step into the trueness of who they are as men, I think that there would be uh, more opportunity for us to see when men are doing the things that we know that our black men are doing and capable of doing. But I think that this growing number, and listen, I'm a, I'm a, a mom who I always say I, I'm mothered single, but I, for me, I co-parent it with God, right? But I see a lot of times when, you know, and I, I'm going to step on some toes, my sisters out here, when we as mothers say things like we don't need a man. You, you, you can't raise a man the way a man can raise a man. So for me, I had to enlist other men in my community to support me in this village effort to raise my children, to make sure that all the things that needed to be hit on were being hit on because there's some parts that I'm going to naturally miss. I can't be everything. Just like a woman can't be everything to, to her daughter, right? And, and I think that we've got to get outside of that because we're missing some great opportunities to really add some beautiful things to our men's lives so they can be these men that they were designed to be. And a question I would ask any mother at this point is your son in this current state, would he be a man that you would suggest for somebody to date or would you date? based on how he acts right now at 17, 18 years old? And if your answer is no, there's some more work to do because he is growing into being a grown-up boy as opposed to a man because, see, in a man's face, all the things that Jason is saying, all the things that you are saying, Montoya, those are happening. They're really happening. But sometimes we just don't get the opportunity to see them because we hear the shrill of those boys over top of everything in social media. No, I love that thought. Let me highlight a couple things. For the callers out there, if you want to get in on this discussion, just press 1. If you're online and would like to join the discussion, give us a call at 
646-787-1691. Again, that's 646-787-1691. You have to press one to let us know you want to speak. Uh, I love that concept of the shrill of the boys, right? And here's another perspective as well, just to kind of highlight this, and some people may hear it as an excuse, but it is partly the reality. Um, if I were to ask Jason, not only is he surrounded by his circle of great brothers who who, who do protect and who, who who are the example that we always hear our community say we would like for men to be, uh, if I were to ask him about those men, um, I'm pretty sure you would also find that all of them are involved in helping other children outside of their own. Um, so even when Jason says, hey, I may not speak up in this situation because I know, in a sense, the social media um, crowd, as he mentioned, is going to have some pushback. So, But as Elisa said, hey, in silence, the actions are big. And so, like I said, most of those men are assisting and mentoring as part of their norm normalcy because we're very aware that our community needs that type of help. So I very rarely run into men that I respect that are not involved, you know, in, in with additionally with other children. I actually got a caller that wants to get in. We got Elisa back in here as well. She had dropped for a second. Now let's go ahead and go to the caller. Area code 7093. Yes. Um, I'm sorry, good morning. This is, well, not good morning, grand day. Um, this is Isna, and I wanted to say thank you for this um, subject. I will just make a very brief statement. No, our black men are not voiceless. I think sometimes they're just not heard and listened to. And I think that is something that we as women can aid in making a better situation in regards to us um, creating a better dialogue between the two of us. But they are definitely not voiceless, hence your show. Thank you. No, I love it. Real quick, let me keep you for just a split second because I love what you're saying. And I want to I want to ask Jason about this as I kind of allude to the put you on mute so back on the background noise. Um, but you're still here. Isn't it? I'll give you one more thought as well. Um, but as I hear it, Isn't it make that point? Um, it makes me think to what Erica Lachey said in her piece, and Jason, I want to hear your thoughts on this, where she just kind of highlighted that part of maybe why some of our women are doing what um, Isner is saying here, where they, we're not, maybe not heard or not listened to, uh, Erica pointed to the fact that we will take our personal accounts and personal situations, and I, and I heard her say it to a degree, it triggers us to the point of not being able to hear someone like yourself. When you were mentioning the idea that, hey, I'll just kind of be quiet over here, because what happens is, in my opinion, you tell me, you know, your thoughts, but as you start your path to say, hey, here's the viewpoint, or here's how I see things, anything you say sounds similar to maybe, you know, some type of man who's transgressed some type of issue with a sister, or, or just simply, just simply to hear you from the start. Your thoughts in her saying we're not voiceless, but maybe there's some things that could be done for you to be heard. Your thoughts, Kim? Well, you know, it's it's and and I appreciate that that comment. However, when you're not listened to or heard, that voice is not there. 
So in essence, you are still voiceless, right? And and I think that's part of the point, the topic here, right? Because mm-hmm. we can say a lot of different things, but if that voice triggers, if it's you're listening to respond, you're not listening to, it's being dismissed. That voice is less. It's not the communication is not happening, right? It's we're just talking, and I think that's where the challenge is. Um, for, as, 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 as the Queen said, our, 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 our co-host, words matter. And if, if we can say it's, we can use the words not listened to and not heard, they're still synonymous with voiceless. So we all have to, to be cognizant of what we really want to come out of, uh, out of these things, right? So, yes, we, we're not heard, we're not listened to. Also equaling, we're voiceless. Now, nah, fair thought. Um, is I'll give you a quick response. Now, go back to the Thank you for calling me, Queen. Uh, I think I think what I'll say I agree with you. Get down to the you know, maybe you and I are in a relationship, and whatever reason you're not willing to listen in the moment, then we haven't communicated. I'm going to feel bored even though I may have some mistakes. Can you understand that perspective? Just want to hear your thoughts on the real quick. Yes. So, much like a speaker, it also ends with the word heard. And we want to be heard. But in order for the word listen, just like the same letters, it's silent. And I don't think that we have equally learned to be silent. As we're listening with our ears, which is also in the word hear, and also with our heart, which comprises both hear, ear, and the word heart. And if all three components are not um, being activated, it will be difficult for us to each be heard and listened to. But it is necessary that we learn, I would say, to implement new skills. And I believe it it, it really um, boils down to skill set of properly communicating where we can hear the person's heart and not just what we're hearing with our ears. No, I love it. Thank you for the thoughts. Um, Alisa, you specialize in this, communicating, being heard. Um, so I think I heard Jason say, in a, in a sense, that you end up just talking, which is obviously not being heard, so therefore voiceless. Um, any suggestions to even um, the nice way that isn't just kind of put, hey, here's how you actually listen to a degree in so many words. Any input on how do we even come across this impasse? Because based on what I just heard, if I'm very, very honest, if they're both correct, then we will just remain voiceless because there's no effort to listen, if that makes sense. I think that's what I'm hearing. Your thoughts, Queen? Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. I love hearing from both sides and really listening to what both sides were saying. Um, and, and let me throw a little bit of neuroscience in here real quick, right, because we, ha- we have to really think about some of this. Day to day, women on average use about 10, 10 to 20,000 words, whereas men use about five to 10,000 words, right? So as women move on and we talk, we're relational and in our social communication, we're pontificating on, we're adding lots of words in order to be able to give that value, whereas Typically, in my experience, the weight of the words 
from men is what you have to actually listen to, right? Because if you're thinking about the the, the disparity in the number of words being used, and then men men's brains on average are ten percent larger than women's, but women tend to have more brain cells activating. Um, so you have to think about the core values in general, in general, y'all, about men being appreciation, approval, and encouragement, right? So when you think about those three things, those three things actually require some shorter communication styles. So you have to be willing to listen. And and um and and the thing is is that we're not conditioned to listen. We're not conditioned. We're not socialized for that. As we're socialized to be caught up in our own selves, and 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 we end up, you know, speaking off of emotion without the benefit of intellect. And when you're thinking about it, if you have ten words to say, and they're very impactful words, versus me having fifty words to say, I'm going to have to listen intently to hear you, or you're just going to say, you know what, my ten words don't matter. Because now you got 50 or 60 or 70, and they're now drowning out those 10 words that I have to say. So it comes down to quality over quantity, and you have to ask yourself this question. Do I want better communication with the males in my life, whether I'm the male and and I want communication with other men, or I'm the female and I want communication with, with, with men? Do I want that? And if so, what am I willing to do to change that? Because you see the pain of not changing the way that we navigate this at this point is so much greater than the pain it would be to simply change. But because we've got our feet stuck and anchored in dust and muck and, and, and quicksand, we don't want to change that because it's tied to our ego. But your ego is killing you. We have to listen. And the only way to do that is to understand that the voice you're listening to might not sound like yours. No, I love it. And uh, we're up against another break. In this break, we're going to kind of take go back, in my opinion, the history of just where, in a sense, this starts. So I think a lot of what we're experiencing, and, and we always allude to this unfortunate reality, but some of what y'all are talking about, like you said, at least I love the fact that you took it to the neuroscience, but to a degree – a lot of, in a sense, this was learned within the family dynamic that we always talk about, unfortunately, seems to be is relatively lost in the African-American community specifically as far as the number of intact families. But a lot of this was kind of learned naturally right in the home and how the you know, seeing your mother and father communicate differently and yet understanding each other. And so that a lot of us haven't witnessed that dynamic. And so now all of us possibly are talking much. I, I think it's a good way to say uh, what you just spoke of, Elisa. Uh, this cut is going to be one that I comes from a video I did in reference to the start of some of the some of these discussions that I think as black men quite often we buy out of. I think this will take us back and it'll, it'll challenge you know thoughts on both sides of the in a sense the genders if you will. Uh, but if I will listen closely to this cut, Jason, I'll give you the first response come you know as our special guest coming out of this cut. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. She said, black males have failed to protect females for 400 years and now are mad at them for acting as unprotected females do. So I shared that statement. I put it up on the Middle Dollar Facebook page probably about a month ago, and people were in an uproar. And my co-host said in response to that, she said, well, 
black men couldn't protect women 400 years ago when we were first coming here under enslavement. My response to her on the show was this. I said, that statement that Roe, as she's known, that statement that she made, I says it's a literal statement. She's not placing blame. And what I said in response to my co-host was this. I says, just because black men could not protect black women 400 years ago does not change the fact that they didn't. I want to peel that back. And I said, she wrote the statement literally, not blaming. And again, my response was, just because black men, we couldn't protect our women 400 years ago, does not change the fact that we didn't. And so when we were having this amazing discussion, I definitely recommend that people go back and listen to the show. But when we were having this amazing discussion, what my response was breaking down as we were getting into the, the, the post-traumatic things that are passed down from, as, as I mentioned on the show, from when we were first step foot brought here and step foot on this land as enslaved Africans for our ancestors. When that happened, we were definitely in a situation, as, as she said, black men could not protect their women. And what I ended up explaining on the show was ever since that period, time frame, to being enslaved, to emancipation, through Jim Crow, what I explained on the show was unfortunately a subconscious reality that, in my opinion, has been passed down throughout the generations has been this concept. Us as African-American men, we have subconsciously been chasing our manhood from the day that we could no longer protect our women, which has been from the day we stepped foot on American soil as enslaved Africans for those who did. You know, the majority of our ancestors were brought here that way. Not all of them, but the majority were. And so the fact of the matter, unfortunately, since that is a fact. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Maria Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Elisa Word. This morning's discussion question, are black men voiceless in society? Our space special guest is Jason Warner. Um, if you will, King, your thoughts on me breaking down this comment from a, a sister by the name of Roe Cutno um, that kind of laid out what I think is a reality. And as, as I said specifically, I didn't take it as blame. I just think subconsciously we've, in a sense, been on a chase that as, you, as you've been able to do and because you've had, you know, in a sense, leadership and raised into manhood, I think quite often as a culture we've been trying to find that the majority of men have in certain ways, and there's unfortunately of some men who have failed to to do so, and in chasing it, hey, we've missed the boat a little bit, in my opinion. But your thoughts on that? So you said a lot um, in that in that clip, and then you also added a lot just after coming out of the break. Um, I think part of it is one, you're not wrong. Right, we all are dealing with some unresolved trauma, which which predicts how we react to situations now. Um, so that unresolved trauma of not feeling protected 
could lead to uh, dismissing the voice of men in lies. But you also said something about not protecting, right, and, and not stepping up and not doing those things. And it, I think it goes back also to that loud voice. I don't believe, and this is, again, my personal belief because I don't have the numbers, that that statistic equates to reality. And, I, and I'll tell you this why, because I, I, I remember myself some years ago thinking about folks that were in more affluent situations not speaking out and speaking up more to social injustice. And I'm using this as an analogy. And then when I started to make a little more money, I realized that they just do things silently, all right? They're not the loud and boisterous in that room. So I think what we continue to hear is the minority speaking loudly and the majority actually just doing the work, taking care of their families, their communities, um, doing all the things that we would want to do, but again, that minority voice is speaking louder to all of those things. And we have unresolved trauma. So that is a a a a, a mesh up of of mm-hmm. issues that, that cause that causes causes the situation that we're in now. Now let me add to your concept about the minority because that ends up, you know, I'm a numbers guy and I'm not gonna so I will tell you that that absolutely is the case. Um squeaky will I'm saying gets the gets the all if you will, and so what happens is here's a perspective that people really fail to realize. Um, for those who are out here harming, um, you know, other black people and black women, you know, again even harming just black people in general. For example, the situation with the um, subway shooting, unfortunately here in Atlanta, um, there's naturally a, a natural uproar. Of, you know, some lady lost her life simply over a, a pack of mayonnaise or whatever, and so. Um, Culturally, due to the trauma, we'll, we'll look at that unfortunate mo- moment and kind of take it on due to our trauma as an entire culture if there's something wrong with us, our culture. And what happens is there's such a minimal amount of people who would enact killing someone over not enough mayonnaise, as ridiculous as it sounds. That's not our culture, but we'll have the dialogue. And 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 while I definitely applaud the support that I'm hearing, uh, the, you know, for you know for that um, young man that lost his mother, if you will, that is something that the community does better than ever. We support when there are tragedies. There are not a bunch of us that would enact a, a, an extreme act such as that, but because they permeate. When 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 a, when a minority hurts a lot of people, I would venture to say that that young man, whatever anger issues that he has, to the point where he transgresses some type of act of that nature, I would offer that more than likely in his lifetime, if we were able to go see his history, probably harmed a lot of people. And so, what happens with the minority quite often, and we never put this in perspective, is the minority can harm a larger group. And so because they've harmed so many people, we take it on as look at what our culture fails to do when reality is a minority that and when we specifically on this topic, whereas we 
as black men to test those those type of people. And if they were in our presence, we would absolutely do something about it. If they so happen to do something outside of our presence, presence their actions are quite uh, quite often blanketed to the rest of us as black men. And so often people don't want to hear us explain how we want you to avoid that situation because it's received as black men didn't protect. A very unfair verdict, in my opinion. Alisa, your thoughts um, to some of what myself and Jason are saying? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I listen to what you said. What came to my mind immediately was, if I sensationalize your acts of violence, then I take the lens off of my acts of violence, right? And um, we have to be very well aware of the systems that are in place to continue sensationalize that and to continue to, I mean, quite honestly, in my opinion, paint us as a very violent and unstable group of people. And when we see that, that then continues to feed into the trigger responses uh, of trauma that other people are experiencing. And many people who are unhealed and, and not really dealing with their trauma, you'll see a lot of those folks who are on our platforms of social media, and you see those stress responses in the way that they navigate um, their answers and, and their communication with other people. And, again, it comes down to that shrill. And what happens, the squeaky wheel is the one that gets the oil. So in order for us to be able to, you know, deal with that squeaky wheel, we're going to pay attention to that squeaky wheel. But there's so many other wheels that are moving well and moving in conjunction with the way that they should be or could be or, you know, be working, but we don't hear that. And and, and, and even from, from you know, listening to, like, male talking to even my sons and remembering when they were talking about dating coming up and um, how the dude who was out here doing all this stuff, the females, he was the sexy dude. He was the guy that every all the girls wanted because he, you know, represented danger, but they were the good dudes and they weren't getting – the people to pay attention. It's like what happened to the good dudes. And what I noticed was it made them more silent over the years when it came to actually even having conversations with these women. And you hear women say, there's no good men. It's because if we continue to put a muzzle on our good men, after a while they're going to stop. So, you know, we sensationalize all this negativity. And we have to remember that media is also subject to systemic racism in media, just like everything else is. And we got to understand that. So what do we have to do? We have to listen more, but we also have to be willing to understand that the communication style of the people that we really probably need to listen the most to might simply be different than ours, but their messaging is no less important. So we've got to listen with ears that are willing to receive something that we might not be used to hearing. And as far as what happened 400 years ago, you're right. They, they couldn't, but it didn't stop the fact that it happened. And all of this trauma, all this unhealed trauma and generations of people not seeing it for what it is, we are parenting through trauma. And what do we do? We pass that down from generation to generation. And, and, and we have to recognize it for what it is, not to say you're a bad person just to say that this is what I was living with, and now I'm choosing something different. Take your power back to choose to empower our men and our women 
so that all the voices are heard. And we begin to push down the noisiness of that shrill that's adding no value to us as a community. And, and let me warn people, I want to hear Jason's thought before we go to the last break, but let me warn people in reference, and I love that Jason said this from the very beginning, when you think about social media, that's where the squeaky wheels, they have a platform now to go. So the functional wheels that are, you know, doing their thing, not need, they're working, so they don't need to be changed, they don't need to be changed out, they don't have any holes in them, if you will, so they're busy doing the things that we say we want in our community to the point where, no, they don't spend any time on social media. If it's do, they share a family picture, they might give one good comment. If something is triggering on social media, they'll share their thought and keep it moving. Those who are hurt and have that time to complain will continue to make comments. And so if you mistakenly get on social media, you will think that's the gist of the community, not realizing it's the trigger people who are spending the majority of time there. Um, you got about 30 seconds, Jason, and I'll get some more thoughts from you out of the break, but just figured I wanted to you know, get a thought to you in reference to that and what Alisa had to say. You know, it's interesting you said that, right? So I started, actually, I stopped making my, you know, seconds of success on social media and different things like that, posting and different things, because I saw it not moving the needle. And I think, to your point, most of us just start doing the work. If you think about all the coaches, the, 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 the men that step up and say, you know, I'm going to be a little league coach, or I'm going to be a mentor, or I'm going to be all of these different things. You think about organizations like the 100 Black Men and, and so other social organizations. They don't have to do that, but they spend their time to make sure that our community is, is well, and it changes from the voice to the action. Right, so if if you don't want to hear me say it, I'll just do it in my action, and I think that's where the shift, um, which that wheel is not squeaking, is not loud, but the the impact is long lasting. Oh, absolutely. We're up against the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. For the callers, if you're listening, you might be a first time caller. You do have to press one. I hope you can hear me clearly. That's sometimes unique. Somebody will say, I was on the show the whole time wanting to get in. You do have to press the one on your button. I see you out there. So if y'all want to get in, press one. If you're online, the number is 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646-787-1691. Again, you have to press one. If you're just listening via the phone, no problem. We'll be right back. Well, all I ask is that you think. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478-781-781. 4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. We saw brothers not protecting sisters or disrespecting sisters, or you see these since the debates are people going back and forth, you don't even realize right in front of you are about four or five great brothers or sisters 
that would support you, that would care about you. You might have walked past 20 black men that would respect you and that would protect you, but you don't even notice them because you're too busy being mad at what you see in your phone. Same thing with brothers. You're too busy looking at the gold diggers in your phone. You don't even see the decent sisters that's walking past you. You know, because a lot of people do not live in reality. You live in your phone and you consume all that negative energy all day. And when you consume that, you put it out on other people. Consume that and then you convince yourself that this must be the case for every black man. All black men must be like this because this is what I see. Nobody tells you to follow those negative people. Nobody tells you to look at that stuff. Nobody tells you to be involved in these gender wars. You choose to do that. You choose to consume that. So you are convincing yourself that black men ain't shit, that black men don't respect black women, that black men don't protect black women. Because, because again, you can walk past plenty of men out there that would respect you and protect you, but you don't even acknowledge them. And when you do see them, you're disrespectful to them because you've already convinced yourself that they ain't shit. Excuse my language. But that is just the way a lot of us are, both men and women. And I would like to say one last thing. When you do see a lot of these videos where it's brothers not protecting a black woman or disrespecting a black woman, most of the time it's younger brothers. Most of the time it is it's brothers with this new masculinity. When you usually see brothers where a black man is stepping in and protecting a sister, it's usually a brother that has that original, regular old masculinity. You know what I mean? But when you shame men and make them feel like there's something wrong with their masculinity, this is what you're going to get. You're going to get a bunch of young brothers that don't know anything about being a man. I think a lot of these brothers could use a mentor. They need a masculine role model in their lives, which is why I think it's ridiculous that a lot of black women still are talking about how toxic masculinity is. Of course, there are some brothers out there that do use their masculinity in a negative way, but there's a balance. There's always balance. And for sisters to say, oh, i not protected and men don't protect us, but then when a black man is a protector, you say he's overprotective or he's controlling or he's toxic. What do you want? Like, it, it doesn't make any sense. Women say that about my man. Like, he's a great protector, like I said before. But women will be like, oh, he, your man is controlling or he's overprotective. No, he's not. You know, how would you, how would you know? You don't have, clearly you say you don't have protection. You don't have anybody protecting you. So how do you know what's overprotective? You don't have anybody protecting you according to what you say. So, like, what do you want? Do you want men to be masculine or not? You know? So, anyways, I'm going to stop because I'm going to be going on. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. Special guest co-host, Elisa Word. This morning's discussion question, are black men voiceless in society? As you hear one of my past guests, Sarah Lena, breaking down her perspective on black men protecting black women, which often um, black men are voiceless, and, and this is usually the conversation that it is had in. So, um, Jason, when you hear that, Queen, um, any thoughts uh, from you as our special guest again? Uh, so, first, let me say I'm in the car now, um, this time. Um, I had to... Do, do my do my husbandly duties here. Uh, you know, my wife does some amazing carpentry work, and um, we're uh, headed out to do that now. Um, so if I'm a little, I apologize. But nah, you're good, brother. Nah, you know, yeah, we, we want you doing your husbandly husband do husbandly. <laughs> that's first priority. So nah, we appreciate that. But go ahead, Ken. But to her point, um, she she hit, I think she hit it right on the the, the head. Like what we're consuming. Is, is a predictor to 
our reality, right? So change that, change what you're consuming, and you'll probably get some better outcomes. Um, and again, I, I think it also goes back to just focus on the work that you're doing in your circle, and hopefully you can expand that circle a little bit more to share that voice a little differently. I appreciate that. At least let me get a thought from you. We've got a caller. I'm going to go to you first, and we'll go to the caller. Um, the thing that I heard most from that yeah. cut, I want to hear your thoughts on this, is um, as African-American men, the thing that we feel like in the social media age and what's happening, you know, whether with these comments and things of this nature, whether we're protective or not, the thing that I think some sisters fail to understand is what protection, kind of like she said, actually looks like. And so there's this term that, you know, brothers like Jason, who I know is, you know, is, you know, in respect, and that's why I have him on this show. But it's something that we understand that quite often we feel like can't even be said sometimes. With protection comes provision. And that seems to be the issue quite often in reference to Sarah Lena mentioning the idea of someone being too controlling. With protection comes provision. How do you hear that? Because we we know what that means. We don't know if it's always accepted by uh, some of the sisters today. Your thoughts, Queen? Okay, two things real quick on that. So um, listen to what she said. People have to understand something about this media, social media, anything on the Internet. I just did a seminar on emotional intelligence versus artificial intelligence, right? So people need to understand, first and foremost, you consume what you click. So if you are only seeing trash stuff on social media, on your feed, it is because at some point you clicked on something and that algorithm said, this is what this person wants to see. So now you will be socially conditioned to see that this is all that there is that is out there. It is a lie, and you have to understand that. If you start clicking on some brothers like Jason, some brothers like Montoya, you will see your feeds to change, and then overall your social conditioning will change. That's the first point. The second point is this, overprotective versus underprotective. Do we even know what protection means at this point in the world? We have generations of people who are telling us stuff that is actually just not accurate information. It's based on what they experience in this relationship or that relationship versus as a whole. And also we are being conditioned whether we want to believe it or not. Ladies, listen, yes, we can do a lot by ourselves. We can pay our bills. We can do this, whatever. But let's not forget that we are also as a whole influenced by this white sense of this feminine movement. Their movement is not for us. We got a whole different lifestyle and things that we're dealing with that they might necessarily not deal with. And at the end of the day, whether you're white, black, in between, a woman does want protection. They do want provision. The problem becomes when we don't know what that looks like. We don't know how to get it. We don't know how to sustain it because everybody's telling us it looks like something different. If you are in a relationship and you are not being harmed and your man is protecting you because you are someone who is his and he is someone who is yours and he's providing, professionally protecting, that's your situation. If I want to make my man a plate and somebody judges that, that's their problem, not mine. So you have to actually begin to take our power back and take control over what you believe as opposed to what these algorithms are telling us to believe. I love it, Queen. Let's go see some of these calls. We've got a couple of callers. 
Area code 804-3347. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Greetings. My name is Derek Anderson. I'm calling from Petersburg, Virginia. I joined in kind of late on the discussion, but the things I've heard has been a blessing. Uh, My three cents on the conversation from what I heard is I did come in on the part where they said it doesn't negate the fact that we did not protect our women is that we still didn't. It triggered a thought in me. You said all you ask us to do is think. Uh, I, I think that sometimes we do have to stand even in the face of danger. Back in those days, we were humiliated as black men in front of the black woman. We were uh, intimidated in some cases in front of our black women, whether it was at the hand of the uh, slave masters, slave owners, to make us feel less than Sometimes we have to stand up even if it means death. And I think where the fear of protecting our black women has taken place is every time a black man stands strong to protect our black woman, which is to make her feel protected, to give her shelter, to keep her from harm's way. When we do that, most black men have been killed, imprisoned, falsely accused, and so that takes away our strong hand to want to stand up. But in this generation, we have to have some still willing to stand up, even at the hand of death. That's my three cents on that. Now, I love your three cents. Thank you for your thoughts. Um, I'll add to it um, just a little, if you will, and I'll go to another caller. Um, I'll just add that um, I think what this brother brought, I think his name is David um, Anderson, uh, love what he brought to the table. Um, the one thing that I will highlight that kind of permeates what Elisa was saying is, do we know what protection looks like? And I will say um, we have gotten to a age where I don't think we're even having to risk as much as the David that he just brought to the table, risk as much because protection what people quite fail to understand is quite often very preventative to avoid a situation where you're even um, faced with um, that type of danger. Now, the reality is fathers out here of all races are going to protect their family in the event that it becomes a dire situation and they will protect their family to the death. Black men still do that to this day. As Sarah Lena mentioned in her cut, you know, what about, you know, men who Know, who have jumped in front of bullets and things of that nature, pull women out of fire. So black men are doing that every day, despite what social media is being said. So we still step up. But thank you for that thought, um, David. Uh, let's go to another caller, area code 520-3675. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Good morning. Uh, this is Mariko here in Tucson, Arizona. Hey, what's up, King? Glad to have you on. You we got, got about it. a minute for great. So get your, if you can get a All quick right. thought. So I'm I, gonna, I'm I, to, I would like to talk about, I would like to talk about um, um, piggyback off of what Lisa said. And I think the conversation um, for this morning should really be about the resiliency, about the voice of the black man. Um, I personally like to think of what I want instead of what I don't want or what I want to see instead of what I don't want to see. And I think what we all want to see is that resiliency. Um, Several times this morning we talked about 
um, you know, the black man trying to speak and his voice not being heard, so he just stops. Well, why stop? We have to keep going. We have to, you know, if you get knocked down seven times, you get up eight. Um, I think that's the conversation that we need to exemplify, that we need to set an example for, and we need to start pushing the narrative that we want to hear, that we want to see in our communities, um, instead of this this um, repetitive, wounded dog, black man scenario. Um, no, I, I think... Let me do this. I'm going to let you finish your thought coming out of the break. And one thing I'll say just briefly is if I love what you're saying as far as what we're speaking to, I hope you're also hearing that we're really highlighting the reality is what we're wanting is what's happening. We're just saying be forewarned that social media is highlighting the minority of what's happening. So, again, I think what you're saying is still a great point. Um, We're going to go to the top of the hour break and let you finish your thought out of the break. Listen to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show where all I ask is that you think? Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most It's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, Pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go, and everywhere I be, be, I don't even talk, talk, they still know it's me. Because I look like money, smell like money, talk like money, even walk. We don't think about that original history and that our unfortunate inability as a culture, as men, to protect our women because we don't want to go back that far and think about that reality. We now have a gender war where we place all the blame on, for example, the feminist movement pushing these ideas that, in fact, are detrimental to the black family. I am totally against the feminist movement. But what we fail to understand without going back to that original day of stepping on this earth, we blame the feminist movement as if it created the dilemma. What happens is because of that original inability to protect our women and not be there for them, even under the circumstances of enslavement, yes, harsh, but it is a reality. Well, due to that, then the experience for keeping the black family together has been much more difficult because the feminist movement was able to basically convince some of our sisters who did not have men or who had men who, who had not, in a sense, gain their manhood from the standpoint of being protective of our women because that had been normalized through, unfortunately, even the breeding that happened during enslavement because these things became normalized where there were some men who never, in a sense, took their place again. And so because there were African-American men who, as I said on the show, took on ways of our oppressor and learned ideas that were not ideal to our culture, and we're not protective of our women because that was not where that's not where we came from. But because we took on, in general, because we took on ways of our oppressors, 
then by not protecting, then there was an agenda in the feminist movement to derail families. That's in within all cultures. But what happened in the black culture specifically was we were uh, some of our women were able to attach to those ideas, but they couldn't have attached to those ideas had we been in our rightful place and in our role of being protected. Don't take anything of what I'm saying as wasting time on who's to blame. Because, again, her original statement, black men have failed to protect over the last 400 years, is a factual statement that has nothing to do with whose fault it is. But when you think of that reality, then in 2020, it is time to step up and step back in the role of being those protectors because in we step into those roles, then we won't have this gender war, this gender fight with our women who would be glad, in a sense, to give us our roles back, if you would, per se. But Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Lisa Word, our black men voiceless in society. Our special guest is Jason Warner. We have a caller on the line to talk to Lisa Berry Queen, because I know you didn't have a lot of time with us. So I want to be respectful of your time. I hope I haven't kept you too long. Um, but you, if you like, if you need me to go, let me know, um, and I can um, let you give out your uh, public information. I want to be respectful of your time. Any thoughts from you, Queen? Um, any final thoughts if you need to go? Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, I love the conversation about, you know, what, what the, the, the feminine movement and all things and things of that nature. At the end of the day, women are women. We are an innately, naturally feminine, right? But we just have to be able to figure out what that means world, but more importantly, in our community, what does that mean for us? There is nothing wrong with realizing that even though our people were enslaved in this country, we still developed our own culture. Don't let people take our culture from us. And if your, our culture says that, listen, I have to let my, I have to take off this superhero cape. I'm out here fighting dragons and demons all day at work in corporate America. But when I get home, I want to make sure that this man in my life who I love has, has does what he's able to do and what he's supposed to do. And that means that I get to chill out and relax and, and let this man do what he has to do. That gives me an opportunity to take all of that extra stuff off. And then I can even listen because I'm not, my brain's not bogged down by all of that stuff from the day, as well as trying to hold on to that and be that at home. Find the balance in your own family. Find the balance in your own relationship. Find the balance in your own community. But more importantly, take your power back to listen to the men in your life, to hear the men in your life. And also, if you are a single parent, there is nothing wrong with being able to reach out into a community to be able to get people to support you in what you don't know. That's what I did as a mom. And the same thing for people who, there are men who are raising daughters. You have to be able to, you can't hear everything she's saying because your ears aren't built the same, right? So we have to realize that we are what we are. We are who we are. And as a community, collectively, we can do this together. But change the algorithms on your social media. Intentionally go find some people who are doing the right things 
so that you start to see more of that and you have the motivation to stop listening to that squeaky wheel, that shrill, that is a minimal percentage of who is actually existing in this world. And that way you can begin to listen to people who are doing the right things and you can begin to do the work on the level of which you were designed to do in the first place. Shout out to my brothers. I love y'all. Shout out to my sisters. I love y'all. If y'all want to catch up with me, I'm on social media and I'm one of the ones that you want. You know, I'm not going to be putting that foolishness out there. My my handle is I am Ms. Word, M-Z, W-O-R-D, and you can catch me there. Montoya, thank you for having this conversation. You have the smartest people in the Atlanta area and in the world, intellectual outcasts. That's what you call them, everybody, now. Um, I wish you all well. Wish everybody the best, and just know that you are as you are. I love it. Thank you so much, Queen, for your assistance this morning. Let's go back to our caller, um, Mariko, on the line. Sorry to interrupt you with the break, um, King, if you will. Um, go ahead and get it off, man. What's your three cents this morning? Appreciate you for coming on. You bet. Um, so going back to what you were saying before the break, I completely understand why. I completely understand that there is this narrative that's being pushed on social media. I get that. However, we can only have one thought occupy our mind at the time, at a time. So I would choose to focus on how do we step back into our power. I would choose to focus on what is the example or how do we better communicate so that um, our voices are heard. Um, you know, it, it's talked about um, the biggest problem with communication is the illusion that it has happened. And, you know, earlier on um, she was talking about, you know, women use 50 words and men use only 10. I am that way. You know, I feel like if I have something to say, if I can say it in four words, I'm going to say it in four instead of saying it in 10. But let's focus on what we want. Let's show and be the example. Um, And when we see a bad or negative example, let's correct it, turn the narrative to what we want to see and what we want to be who we want to become. No, I love it. Thank you for your three cents. Jason, any thoughts while we got Mariko on, just in case um, you may have some thoughts. I just say um, I'm just happy to be on a call with Mariko because he's, he's one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. Um, and then the other so, piece is I, I think the, 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 the challenge is we kind of went off in a little tangent to okay. start speaking about uh, protection versus the voice. But one thing that I found, and I was listening to the conversation and listening to what I was saying, other folks were saying is, maybe we're just speaking on the wrong channel, right? We keep bringing up social media and different things like that. Maybe we need to just go back to speaking in the community, speaking in our homes, and the voices of the scene voice list. No, that's a great thought. Um, any um, final thought from you, Rico? Thank you for calling again. Yeah, um, you you know, I I do want to say those of us that have that resiliency and those of us that feel we have a stronger voice, we do need to be present in these places that aren't as positive to be the light. Otherwise, the darkness takes over. Um, So Jesus didn't go to the people that that had the word. He went to the people that didn't have the word. Um, So I I, I think we have to go and be that light and and be that example 
um, and 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 be bold and brave and do the uncomfortable things. Um, not necessarily that we want to take on that, um, but someone has to be able to turn the tide um, or um, turn the direction of the boat. No, I love it. Thank you for your thoughts, King. Appreciate you. Let's get to these other callers out here. Area code five seven one last three two three seven. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Hey, what's up, brother? How you doing? It's Emil. Good to hear hear your voice as always, man. No, always better to hear yours, brother. That is, you are one of the sharpest intellectual outcasts out there. So I can't wait for this three cents. Go ahead. <laughs> This conversation about men being voiceless has a lot to do with whether or not we men are speaking not only the truth that we live, i.e. that majority versus minority, and where we speak it and live it, but also who's listening. So we have a problem in our society, black men especially, that we tend to want to speak. When we do want to speak, we want to have an audience. And this audience, which we should want to be our family, our loved ones, and the people that in our community that we really want to serve and protect, are often uh, given a less valuable position in to whom we speak than a larger audience who might be more financially lucrative, perhaps, or make us feel better for uh, that would give us some form of validation. And one of the challenges that I feel, feel we face is that we're not getting validation from the right sources as often as we need validation in order to assure that our voices, when we do speak, is spoken to the right audience. So we're getting validation from an audience that really doesn't care for us, and therefore that validation doesn't reinforce the morals, values, and and goals that we should have for our communities and the people who would give us that validation, we're not speaking to them, and therefore we're not getting the appropriate reinforcement and validation to continue building back into our community, our families, and ourselves in the right way. Now, that's a great thought. Let me ask you a question. We've got about a minute and a half before the break. Uh, let me ask you a question about what you're saying. So um, I, I, I think I can agree with what you're saying. So since you kind of proposed this thought, how what's the what's the better way, if that will, you know what I mean, for anybody out there listening, what might I do to do a better job at what you're? Because I do agree, maybe we're speaking the wrong audience is what I think. I, you, I don't think that's all you're saying, but that's part of what you're saying. So how do I do this a little better? If I'm a you know a man who's doing what I'm supposed to do, I do protect you know, or I just don't like say don't get caught up in just the protection part. But just in having a voice, how do I do this a little better in your opinion, Bill? So um, what the sister said before she bounced was that we got to change the algorithm on our social media, which is 100% true. One of the reasons why I'm getting more validation from the audience I choose to uh, participate with is because I made that choice. And so in small and bigger ways, we have got to make that choice to find the audience that will give us a validation. Sometimes it's the barbershop. Sometimes we need to go to the barbershop and say the good things we're doing for ourselves and our families so that the brothers in the barbershop can tell us, hey, that's right. We get the hand mm-hmm. signs. We get the nonverbals that indicate we're mm-hmm. on the right path. That's, as much as, that's just as important as a life on Facebook, maybe even twice as important in that it's a human being. 
So we got to start looking for the venues where the people we want to lift up and who want we want who we want to lift us up are, so we can begin to get that validation from that audience. We want an echo chamber, and that echo chamber exists, but we have to either create it on social media through algorithm manipulation, or we have to go to where it already is, the barbershop, other places in our community that we know we exist. The gym is one of the best places to get some of that validation, not just for your workout, but also because when you're in there with the brothers who are working out with you and you tell them good things, they give you a high five. They give you that. And that love right there, that's important into our self-validation so that we can say, you know what, I'm doing the right thing. And when nobody's giving me that, I still have the ability to say, I'm going to do the right thing anyway. No, love it. That is perfect going into this break. Thank you for that three cents, King. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Method Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Truth Seekers, please understand, Mental Dialogue is much more than just a talk show. Each and every Saturday, we communicate with you for two reasons, to dialogue and connect. On the dialogue side, we cater to you intellectual outcasts who feel you have no place for honest discourse on race, sex, culture, and African-American business. On the Connect side, we've created a community where you can connect with experts specifically in finance, whether personal or business, and mental health, whether it's trauma or to optimize performance, along with all the other skill sets from other MD community members. Our mission was to create a virtual nationwide neighborhood where African Americans learn to trade ideas, goods, and services through social media, meetup, and this podcast. To become a neighbor of the Mental Dialogue Community Club, please visit us at mentaldialogue.com. We are better with you than we are without you. We can be neighbors even though we don't live next to each other. Hashtag raise the culture. Hello, baby girl, right? And it's amazing when you have a girl, you're, you're a man, you have a, a girl. eye opening. Because I realize I'm the man in her life. And my relationship with my daughter is going to affect her relationship with men for the rest of her life. And every man in here is dating a woman with some daddy issues. <laughs> that shit ain't fun, okay? She giving you a hard time over some shit her daddy did in 1969, okay? That shit ain't never fun. Sometimes I'm walking with my daughter talking to my daughter, I'm looking at her, I'm pushing her and stole her, and sometimes I pick up and I just stare at her and I realize my only job in life is to keep her off the pole. <laughs> keep my baby off the pole. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question of black men, voices in society, and special guest is Jason Warner. Uh, we had another caller that wanted to get in. If you want to get back in, just press 1 to let us know you want to speak. If you're online and want to get in on this discussion, we welcome your three cents, 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646 646- Seven eight seven one six nine one. Press one to let us know you want to speak. Hear a cut from one of my favorite comedians, Chris Rock. Um, as you introduce yourself, Jason, at the very beginning, you say, "Hey, I'm a husband, father, brother, son." And so, in that role of father, uh, as funny as that stand-up was by Chris Rock years ago, 
Um, I haven't been fortunate enough to have um, any children um, as of yet, but I do think, even though know, again, it's a funny concept, but it is a very real, very much a reality for most fathers when it comes to their daughters. So, just even any thoughts on what Chris Rock had to say and how real that is for fathers, and how, to a degree, society might even fight black men to a degree on how we would keep our daughters off the pole, if, if, if you will. So any thoughts on it? Again, it's just kind of you know, a little bit a little facetious, but I think there's some reality to that for black men specifically. Yeah, sorry about that. I was on mute. Um, you might hear some background because, like I said, I'm in the hardware store picking up yeah, stuff for a great project. Um, but, yeah, there is, there, there's some truth to it. But as fathers, we have a responsibility to 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 help the leading guide. And, you know, for me as a father, um, I'm a father to four children. However, I have a lot more children in the community because they're friends. They're friends, friends that come to the house. I, I have a, 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 a responsibility to be that voice for them um, and to help to guide them when they're in our presence. So, I mean, that's that's our job as fathers as men, even if you don't have biological children. No, I love it. Let me ask you about this one thing in particular, and just going to hear your thoughts on it. And I hope some other people, other men, may get in on this conversation. Um, here's a reality, and, and I do after school program, love children, and you know, try to help children, as you said, even though I don't have any biological children, if you will. I'll say, but in my dating life, throughout my life. Um, Lisa made the point of saying, hey, she's a single mother, but she's been able to, in a sense, find men to help mentor her her sons, if you will, right? Um, but that, is, that isn't always everybody's reality. Sometimes their circumstances is why, why they can't. Sometimes it's a matter of where they live and they can't trust certain people, if you will. So I know that that can be a factor. Mariko, I see you out there. I'll get you back in, King. Um, the question I wanted to talk about, and I'd love to yeah, get another brother on, so Rico, I'm going to bring Rico live. So he can get in on this discussion, but we'll start with you, Jason. But the thing that I wanted to specifically um, talk about with this is in my own dating life as a single man, it is quite obvious to me when I am around boys who don't have male influence. And when I see it, I'm always like, I'm not sure that this mother or this aunt, if you will, is, is even aware how badly is needed. But it is so obvious when I'm around boys without any real men to influence them. Your thoughts about that, because I think it's an opportunity to learn for someone who has it, in a sense, maybe taking that step to ensure that there are men in some of their boys' lives. Your thoughts, Jason, and I'll get Mariko's thoughts after that. You know, uh, it, it, it is hard, right? It is hard, which why I alluded to the point of coaching, of mentoring and different things like that because they're going to get that. But, again, I think that's a part of the minority that we talk about because, as we say, 80% of black men marry black women, and they're in their lives, and they're super active. We just have a a strong minority that are not well, doing let me, let me Let me clarify something here, and maybe I wasn't clear. I'm just talking about okay. have you seen when a boy in your presence clearly does not have a male presence? And I want to kind of talk oh, about what that, what that looks like and what we see as men and maybe point out some of those things for maybe some woman out there listening saying, I want to get some, you know, I want to get my child mentored, but I want to highlight her son maybe missing 
because it's so obvious to us as men. So I wanted to kind of just hear you talk about, you know, what are those, what's the difference in those boys who clearly don't have a male presence? What type of things do you see? I didn't just want to give people game on that information. No, absolutely, right. So I, I, I definitely see that, um, and you can see just from from if it's mannerisms, the ability to sometimes critically think um, because they're not taught to, uh, and this this may come off bad or or seeming sexist, but women are are, are, are have an innate ability to nurture, and you'll see that characteristic signing out from those uh, young men that don't have that protect, provide thought process there. I'm not saying that it can't be given from a woman. I'm just saying that you start to see that a lot coming out. Um, And especially for many of my son's friends that come over, uh, what we'll do is, you know, I will kind of guide through that. We will have these conversations. We will show. We will, you know, speak too late. No, bro, you get up and you you open that door. Even though folks mm-hmm. say that I can do it myself. No, you need to stand on the outside of the outside of the uh, sidewalk. Exactly. There's some different exactly. things that you just don't see, and I just take it upon myself to speak up and say, hey, this is what we're gonna do. No, yeah, and, and again, I just want to point out how obvious it is to us as men when a boy is missing that. Like you said, those are some of the smaller, minor things. I'll give one example, and I want to hear Rico's thoughts on it as well. But one quick example, um, I remember a young man, I was probably about 17, and we were uh, out in Atlanta feeding the homeless with another organization. And the director, um, for the most part, yeah, you know, I'm real good friends with her, so obviously just trying to make sure the scene's always protective or whatever, but I was busy doing something, and so she was going, we were serving outside of this one home for the, you know, follow the rules and be in the parking lots, can't be on the streets, and so she went to the actual home to let the, you know, the homeless know, which is more, you know, definitely typically more men than women, let them know, hey, you can come out of the shelter and come eat out here, and she chose to take like a 16-year-old, I think a 16-year-old, maybe 16-year-old young man with whatever, and she just took him, just, you know, just because she had to walk, if you can imagine, you know, who's on those streets, if he makes sense, and so she just kind of wanted to have, and they kind of had a situation where um guy wasn't necessarily aggressive, but just the way he spoke to her, and the young man kind of takes off, and so it ended up being not much of nothing, but when she came back, she was like, I took this brother, and he, <laughs> and he kind of dipped off. And so, you know, I thought, like you, like you, Jason, I took the time to say, hey, brother, you know, you might want to handle that a little different. His first thought was, she's older than me. I'm younger. Why would I let myself be harmed? And um, and I was like, yeah, this young man hasn't been, you know, been around enough men for him to be thinking like that. Um, Rico, your thoughts, and I got another caller that wants to get in as well. Mariko, you live? Did you want to get back in? Did I, did I see you clip back in? Oh wait, this is Emil. Oh, okay, that was Emil. I just saw the number wrong. I got the number wrong. Oh, I, I, was, I was like, go ahead, Mariko. Coming back on. My you bad. Want to get back in, um, all right? You want to get back in? I'm yeah, right. I did. Yeah, please oh, go ahead. Sure. We got another caller too, but go ahead and get your thought off, and then we'll get to the call. Oh, first of all, I was that kid, right? I was I, I was raised by a single mother. I did have uncles and a grandfather who were very much a masculine role model in my life, but I had a lot of those little bitty lessons that were obvious uh, to uh, a man who eventually became my stepfather after I left the uh, left the house that I needed that 
that roughening, that toughening, that um, that masculine sensibility that just doesn't come, that comes not from interacting with uncles sometimes, but from a more consistent presence. That consistent presence, if it's not there, will come from another source, whether we want it to or not, and it's not always a positive source. So when a young man begins to see that those traits are not present or recognizes that he's different than some of his peers, he will begin to pick up those traits. The hope is that we can intervene before some of those traits become ingrained because a lot of times they're very negative, they're um, jailhouse lawyer types, they're, uh, uh, used to say, locker room lawyer types. Those are not the people we want teaching manhood to our young men, but that's where they get a lot of it from. So we have to be very clear that when we see a young man who's not exhibiting these traits, to intervene as soon as possible with him and teach him the right thing because he will pick up those traits. Often it's a toxic masculinity that he ends up picking up until he gets older and more mature, and hopefully those traits haven't been so ingrained that he thinks that toxicity is normal. Now, very strong point. Let me go to this other caller here, and I'll keep you on unless you – do you want to stay on with us? Because I'm glad to keep you on. I'll stay on. Yeah, I'll stay on. Okay, sounds good. All right, let me go to this caller. Area code 804-63347. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Got about a minute and a half before break, so if you can make it quick, that'll be helpful. Yes, sir. I'll be super brief. This is Derek Anderson again out of Petersburg, Virginia. I like it to the point that you said the young man did not know that he should have stood there to uh, step in his manhood regardless of his age. And that goes to the things I see uh, where, where where you can recognize a man hasn't been raised with a male figure. I work in the court system, and a young man, young lady came through the door, and I asked the young man, how can I help you, sir? And the woman immediately starts speaking up. I said, excuse me, ma'am, I'm speaking to the man. Where I'm from, I'm raised, if there's a man in a woman's presence there, you address the man. Let the man go ahead and be a man. And the woman said, well, I'm speaking for him. And I said, but I'm speaking to him. Let him stand up and be a man. So those areas show you where they're not taught to step up and be a man. And he even said out his own mind. Well, she could go ahead and speak for me. And I was trying to teach him in a teachable moment. No, you step up and be the man in this situation. So I'll be brief on that. No, I love it. And I think here's to your point. I like I like it. I like the fact you brought that example. We're going to go to a break here. Um, but the example, I think it speaks to what Elisa, when we had her on for the first hour, she was just kind of, in my opinion, imploring women to listen because in that moment she probably responded like in a sense her natural reaction that's probably how she handles that situation versus Elisa would say sister David stepped up to give you this male I don't know if it was her son or, or, or whatever he was to her an opportunity to learn how it should go and in that situation her nature blocked she wasn't able to listen that you were making in a teachable moment you wasn't you was just trying to in a sense of as the old school way of saying things, you were trying to learn him something, and unfortunately, she were in a sense was got in the way, and he accepted that versus what you were trying to teach him. Great point, brother. Thanks for getting back in on this thing. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. What I ask is that you think. Do you need marketing designed specifically to compete in today's digital age? Well, look no further than Emore Edge Digital Business Solutions. 
a marketing agency that's well-equipped to provide solutions to the challenges faced by businesses looking to acquire and retain customers in today's ultra-competitive marketing world. Whether it's video creation, website or logo design, mobile app development, social media and email marketing, or e-commerce design and development, Emoreg Digital Business Solutions has the answer. Visit them at EmoregDBS.com. That's E-M-O-R-E-J-D-B-S.com. Or call 864-221-3632. That's 864-221-3632. Emoreg Digital Business Solutions. We're the solution to your marketing challenges. We have a dream. For what? Well, it isn't so, so everybody's everybody's jiving, but let's jive on that level. If I love you, I can't lie to you. Of course you can lie to me, and you will. If you love me and you're going off with Maddie someplace, you're lying to me. Because what the hell do I care about the truth? I care if you're there. When Billy Holiday say, hush now, don't explain. All right, I accept that. Of course. All of right, course I you lie to me. I don't even want to care. What, what does the truth matter? And why are you going to be truthful with me when you lie to everybody else? You lied when you smiled at that cracker down the job, right? Lie to me. Smile. Treat me the same way you would treat him. I can't treat you the way must. I treat him. You must. Because I've caught, the, I've caught the frowns and the anger. He's happy with you. Of course he doesn't know you're unhappy. You grin at him all day long. You come on when I catch hell. Because I love you, I get least of you. I get, I get the very minimum. And I'm saying, you know, fake it with me. Is that too much of the black woman to ask of the black man? for 10 years so that we can get a child on his feet that says, yeah, father smiled at mother. He talked to me about school today. Who cares that you can read or can't read? Most Americans can't read. Most people can't read. They look at the pictures. Baby, baby, I know what you're saying. I know exactly what you're saying, and I I don't disagree, but no, I'm going to be honest and think about it really. I'm not so sure that that is a human possibility. If I have to smile all day, and a cat on the job, the foreman, you don't understand why I'm smiling. Mm-hmm. Not that I want to smile, I'm smiling because that baby needs new shoes. I can't give a performance all day on the job and come home and give a performance on, all night in the house. Okay, so one of the performances will stop. Yes. So you say, and okay, I might be willing to go with it, but who's going to pay the rent? Take back to that again. The rent will get paid. Look, baby, I'm willing to play it your way, but you have to see my point of view. I see your point of view, but... The rent will have I'm, to get paid. The price of the rent is my smile. No, no, no. I don't want you prostituting yourself. I demand. I don't want you prostituting yourself either. One of us has got to work. You, you, work it, you will work it out. Because you are intelligent enough and you are sensitive enough. You are a man enough to work out a new system. Because it, we started off with everybody's protest now and we're back there again. As long as the assumptions are the same, nothing will change. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So we must corner ourselves 
to make a new assumption. Okay, how about it? Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest Jason Warner. Our black men, voiceless in society. We also have caller Emil Bryant, intellectual outcast, to get in on this thing. If you want to get in with us, you can. 646-787-1691. Again, 646-787-1691. You must press 1 to let us know you want to speak. A classic cut. Don't know if you... I'm guessing you've heard that before, Jason. Um, I, I don't know if people are listening. Trying to, okay, how does that relate? I hear a lot of how it relates as we take today's discussion to a now a personal situation. I'm very um, curious what you heard and how it relates, and Emil as well. So I'll go to you, Jason, first, and then to Emil. Your thoughts on that cut, how it relates to being voiceless in society, but more so inside of personal relationships and what that dynamic looks like. Looks like. You know, that probably is the one of the most powerful conversations probably ever heard, right? Um, and what what the great part about that was she validated the pain and the uncertainty and encouraged him to use his voice, which to me was just like, man, <laughs> the best thing ever. Yeah, that part resonates so strong, and I'm sorry, let me be fair for people that may not have heard that conversation. It was a conversation between Nikki Giovanni and James Baldwin, so forgive me for not giving the clarity on what you just heard. But you're right, that part where she reaffirms him, where he's like, I doubt it, can I put on a performance at you know, at work and at home? I don't know that we can pay the rent that way. And she was like, you're intelligent, you'll figure it out, the rent will get paid. The affirmation is absolutely how and why he was going to figure it out. Emil, your thoughts on that cut and how it relates to today's discussion. Affirmation, the validation of his intellect and his presence is important to her. She said, when you walk in the door, don't stop the performance for me. And he said, I can't do both. So she said, give up the, give up the real fakeness and give me your real me, right? And when she said that, the resonance I felt was, now he has a partner who believes that his presence is important enough that he can stop being fake in a place he doesn't feel welcome. We are so impacted by how we have to put masks on. Hey, we're losing you. Call right back in, brother. The last thing we heard you say was um, how we have to put masks on. I definitely want to hit, hear the rest of that thought, but your line is kind of cutting out. So if you will, call, oh, sorry. Um, drop off the call back in. Okay, I'll do that. Yeah. yeah. Now, I love where the meal's going with it. And um, Jason, did you, so, um, yeah, at the end of the day, when we're talking about all black men's voices in society, um, you know, Emil made the suggestion, and Lisa talked about this, the, uh, the, well, the idea of doing it in the place that is most needed and interpersonal relationship is where it matters the most, right? So we're sitting here telling everybody, avoid, change your algorithm, stop watching the all of the dis, dysfunction that we see, you know, on our social media, you know, the silliness of um, watching how the, you know, the 
Donald guy, you know, showing up with food for just one child and come to find out that those people actually played the entire nation because they could play to those sentiments. And so we just keep highlighting uh, the need to get off social media because people were having, you know, if you will, theses on what happened in that situation. But ultimately, all we being heard inside of our personal relationships is what I'm hearing the most in that amazing conversation, like you said, one of the greatest conversations we've ever been able to witness via social media. Again, we're not saying social media is all bad. We're just saying change your algorithm so you can see what's compared to what's really happening versus letting a small viewpoint of what the minority is complaining about, fussing and fighting over a McDonald's. Did he, should he buy food for all the kids or just one kid and people defending it? Just a bunch of silliness and come to find out they played us all. Your thoughts, brother, and then we'll get the meal back in as well. You know, I think the biggest thing is we, we, we continue to hit this on the head, right? Social media is really not reality, right? We have to speak up in the spaces that reality actually is. Speak up to the meal point into the, in, in the barbershops, in our homes, in, in different community organizations, in the business sector, right? Um, at our offices to continue to be that voice, that positive voice. And, again, just like social media is like a, a real housewife and scripted, as we saw in that McDonald's cut, or the McDonald's script, the conversation that had everyone up in arms. We have to show up differently and understand that those spaces are not the spaces of reality. Those are not the spaces. And I, I, I understand um, – that there is a voice there, but that can't be the guiding voice anymore. We have to take back our homes. We have to take our, back our communities and show where the reality is. Well, fair enough. Let's go to Emil. We got him back in here. All right, Emil. I know you kind of got cut off a little bit, so jump back in wherever you fit in, King. No problem. In reference to the conversation between Nikki Giovanni and James Baldwin, I'll just say that that mask when we stop wearing that mask so frequently and we get affirmation from the people we love and who are closest to us, keeping that mask off is so much easier. And then putting on the reality of how do I figure this out in a positive and healthy way? I can figure it out selling drugs or I can figure it out starting a business. Both of those have their potential to reframe the entire conversation about how the rent gets paid but the one improves the community and the other hurts the community. So that affirmation has such power. We need to make sure we're very clear that when I'm speaking with my voice and I get that affirmation, get that validation, I'm going to want more of it, and I can aim that toward whatever I want to build or destroy. Um, In reference to social media, I will say this so clearly that uh, it hurts a lot of people. All of social media is a performance, all of it. Very little of social media is reality. And on Twitter, I learned a great phrase that helps remember just how fake all social media is. You need to go touch grass. When I hear that, it means put the social media down, go outside and see reality. Because right now, you're consumed by what you see, and all of it is a performance. Sometimes it's a performance by people who are not touching reality. Sometimes it's a performance by people who are trying to start their business. Sometimes it's a performance by people who are trying to uh, 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 
enacting an agenda, but it's always a performance, and it's not reality. So a lot of people need to start touching grass more frequently out here because uh, they think that their reality is defined by these performances on social media. Now, I love that touch grass statement. Love it, love it, love it. Here's something I'm thinking about. Again, we're about to come up with the last segment. Um, Emil, because you talked about Jason's already alluded to I'm going to have Jason come to this after the break, so I'll go to you right quick. So as much as we're talking about what's needed to be done, and we're basically, in a sense, having a solution-focused conversation, which is ultimately what we aim to do with all of these dialogues, if you will. Um, but I would like to just ask you, because, again, you, uh, you're, you called in, um, any thoughts to fill in voiceless as a black man in society? Like, um, just how does that feel? Or you're in a space where you don't experience anymore? Because, again, you're giving great information on what, should be done. Uh, I know enough about you to know that if you suggested you're doing the work well, but how do you feel about in general the black man's voice and for maybe other black men who don't feel like they have a voice and specifically even in a, in a personal relationship? Just any thoughts to that before we go to our next break? Absolutely. So yes, I have felt that way many times in professional and personal situations. And the way that I have always reframed my voicelessness was, A, to validate that my observations were true. So if I did that professionally, there would be, uh, I would have mentor or elder to say, okay, what I'm observing is reality, and it's not simply my perception of reality. That's a very important point, because once I get that validation or I get checked and say, what you, are, what you think you're seeing is your perception, and that's an invalid perception. It's not going to advance you toward an agenda that's healthy for you. So getting that check-in, getting that validation or, or getting checked helps tremendously before I start thinking and trying to find the right audience for my voice. And that's the second step. Once my perception is valid, that an elder and, a, and or a mentor or several people have seen it the same way, and it's not a, simply an echo chamber, now I can go speak to the right audience. Sometimes in a professional situation, that will be the, um, the so allegedly neutral third party. If it's not that third party or intervention type, then perhaps I need to speak through uh, another professional capacity. In a personal relationship, I need to learn how to articulate my thoughts in multiple ways. And this is something I learned that it was really helpful. When I couldn't speak because my emotions were getting in the way of my message, I would write it down and hand the note off and say, I need you to read this before we have a conversation. Because then I could think through my words, write them with less emotion, and especially when I get caught up in emotion and I'm feeling like I can't argue or I can't get the right words out at the right time or I think about the right thing to say three hours after the conversation, I would write my message out. And I'd say, I want to talk to you. But before we do, please read this so that we can have a shared understanding of the concerns I'm feeling. Having validated my concerns with my mentor or someone who's older or better at this than I am, who says that your perception is reality and you're not simply skewed by your emotion, now I can have a conversation with the person I love and care for in a healthier way because I'm not limited 
by the emotions of the moment. And when it no, gets cool. emotional, cool. I have the writing to go back to to say, this is what I'm really trying to focus on. I'm sorry I can't do it right now. And I've done a series of letters back and no, forth. That's dope. That's that dope. Let me go to a break. Let me go to a break, brothers. Now, I love that suggestion. That's dope. Let me go to another break. Be right back. And listen to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478 781 4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. I think that the only thing that's changed in the last, uh, since Martin Luther King, since uh, 54, I think the only thing that's really changed is the black woman. And, and what she no, said she's changed. I think she's become more visible. I think she's changed. Because there was a time, let's say my mother, you know what I mean, my aunts and things like that, they would say, okay, if that's the way you establish your manhood, mm-hmm. I'm going to go for it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. my generation says, hey, mm-hmm. no good. Okay. You must okay. establish I'll a agree. new base. I'll agree with and, that. And we are as a group demanding that a new base be established. Yeah, but be careful as a woman and what you demand of a man. I demand that he be a man. Yeah, but you can't, you, the but you provision can't, part. Yeah, but you can't say you demand it. You have to, you have to suggest it. Well, that, that's your <laughs> ego that says that. No, I, I demand it. Now, you deal with that. All right. Okay. I I'll, even, I'll even, I'll even, I'll even I go with that. I demand that you be a man. And I don't think that that's asking too much. Because if I wanted a provision. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, special guest Jason Warner for this morning's discussion question. Are black men voiceless in society? And Nikki Giovanni demands that we be a man. I respect the perspective that she's coming from, and I think it's quite poignant and still relevant today. And again, not because, as we've clearly stated on this show, not because most are not, right? The majority are doing well, but again, for those who need to get these lessons, and, and, and to understand the dynamic between men and women. And now far from social media, that's not the discussion now. We've already put that to rest. But as I hear her say, I demand, and I love how James Baldwin said, oh, 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 now for a man, you should suggest. And, and, and that made sense to me as a man. And she says, that's your ego. So it's almost like even in being a man, there's some checking that we also need as well. I love that conversation. Um, Jason, let me bring you back live. I want to hear your thoughts on it as well. Go ahead, King. You're live. You know, again, I think we all need some accountability partners. And Nikki Giovanni, uh, to, 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 to uh, Baldwin's point, he needed accountability, right? Um, mm-hmm. and sometimes we need that checking. Uh, but to your comment before the break, have you feel that your voice wasn't there. I think all of us have have, uh, have those times where our voice is not there. And sometimes, you know, in a professional world, you you you, you have to just kind of eat it, right? Because we live in a society where you have to survive. Um, 
um, for those who are on a call, but I'm six foot six, two hundred fifty fifty pound black man, uh, dark skin, and and I work in a communication space, right? Um, and I, I, I tell those stories, but sometimes in, in the boardroom, I have to at times make myself small, let them get their voice out, and then push my narrative in another way to get the point across. Does it feel good? Absolutely not. But we do the things that we have to do to survive uh, in this world. Uh, but I, I do love the the write it down to check yourself if this is a a, a perceived situation. Um, you know, I think we all can learn, uh, and I learned just from that, writing something down and say, hey, I do want to have a conversation, but can you read this first to go into the conversation? That, I think, will work in interpersonal relationships a lot. Uh, and then there's going to be times, and there, there's no perfect scenario, um, there's going to be times that you're, you're not going to have that voice in those scenarios. Uh, but more times than not in our community, I think we, we can build spaces where our voice is heard. Um, and, again, it can't be on social media. Right? Social media is not reality. We have so many places that we can spread our voice. So, so I, I want to retract that statement I opened up with. Okay. Um, because I think, you know, I opened with, no, we don't have that voice. I think we do have that voice. But we, I, myself, got caught into just looking at it from a space of that social media aspect. Right, right, because that's what permeates our lives. Um, but I do want to retract. We do have a voice. We just that may just not be the platform for our voice, and it probably should not be the platform for our voice because we live in reality, not augmented reality. Well, to to Mill's point, um, everything on there is a performance for one, and then two. Um, even you know, even I again, even this conversation is making me have a deeper thought and similar to yourself because I highlighted prior to the show. Hey, you're you've got to be brave and have a lot of integrity on this conversation. So I'm kind of speaking to maybe I wasn't social media, but falsely accepting this idea of not having a voice because you know you and I have both been a part of situations where uh, our voice has been shut down. Your your voice has been shut down on this show before, if you will. But to a degree, if we're honest about this platform, I'm gonna give us some props here is your willingness to come back to this platform is because you knew you would have a voice. And so and so if we, to a degree, we are, as, as we say, there are plenty of good brothers in the cut, you know, even the percentages that we've heard on some of the cuts, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it's like, you know, to be specific, it's 79% of brothers have a sister, you know what I mean? Just pointing that out that they're married to for those that are married. And so everything goes against those negative narratives that are pushed on social media and in the media. And it's almost as we're having this dialogue, we're almost having to be reminded, as we're kind of, as Mariko said, to keep speaking to what we want and the fact that we see that reality in our own lives because neither one of us are. I mean, obviously, I use social media for the mental dialogue platform, so maybe I'm on there more than the average person. Uh, but if you, fo- but like Elisa said, if you follow the page, you're not going to see a conversation about the McDonald um, skit that tricked everybody on our page because, again, we are particular about the dialogue necessary and needed for our community. I hope this has been one of those, and it's almost like we're checking ourselves to make sure we're speaking to our own reality that we live out. Um, I've got, uh, let's see who I got. Oh, I got, um, I think it's Mariko trying to get back in. Let me get him back in as well. 
Go ahead, Mariko. Thanks a lot uh, for jumping back in, King. Hey, man, I just want to say this was a great show. I really appreciate it. And um, going to um, what the other brother was saying about um, going to people and and sharing what you are trying to say and, and learning new ways of being heard, I think that is so pivotal. So how do we as a culture, as a group of black men, how do we foster that? How do we encourage that resiliency that when we feel we have been shut down, that we have the fortitude to go to someone and say, hey, this is what I was trying to say and get across. It wasn't. How can I say it better? How do we foster that willingness? How do we teach um, that resiliency in our communities, in our homes, in our jobs, Etc. Yeah, and I would just my answer to that, just to throw it out, because again, I'm kind of be, I think it's been a little rhetorical here, which I appreciate. You know, just to give everybody listening something to think about. Uh, I think it's just continuing, if you will, dialogues like this. Um, you know, black. I think um, Jason's been a part of maybe our black men in therapy conversation, if you will, and, and and things of that nature. Because sometimes, even as men, as we keep talking about the need for a man to be in these boys' lives. And, and hopefully, you know, in a sense, our sisters are hearing that for those who are looking or seeking that out. Most good brothers are willing to do that. And you have to be respectful of people's capacity, too. So just kind of want to make sure I'm being clear about the fact that most good brothers I know are involved in mentoring children more than just their own kids. But I'm bringing up that to say this, that even in our own raising, because we talked about this the other night for, for those that don't know, I have community checkup. Uh, every last Thursday, which is a mental health checkup Zoom that we do. And in that conversation, we were talking about inner childhood wounds. So there are times, you know, speaking to what you just said, Mariko, the how do we do it, there are times where we do have to become introspective enough to be willing to maybe even get therapy for our own trauma. Because sometimes even in trying to help our children, it can be done with trauma to the point where we're scarring. And And as you said, Mariko, you're in a spot where you're voiceless because you haven't been taught the proper way to navigate that situation. So sometimes what we highlight with our younger boys who have not had that type of mentoring, they can be very emotional. They can um, act emotional in a moment where they're not feeling heard and get themselves in a lot of trouble in those situations. We know they haven't had that proper male voice in their life. So I know I said a lot with that. Um, Jason, got about two and a half minutes, brother, if you will. Um, just give me some closing thoughts. Let people know um, how they can stay in contact with anything that you want to put out publicly, but I very much appreciate you for being a part of this conversation this morning. Thank you, King. Hey, brother, as always, I appreciate you. I appreciate just having an opportunity to, to engage in the dialogue. Um, to that last point, how do we do it? We just keep doing it. We keep going. We keep showing up. Uh, we keep doing the right things in every aspect of our life, right? We're not going to get it right every single time, but if we keep pushing and we keep telling this story, we keep showing, right? So, so, so that, that voice is not always will, will, I think, move that needle even more. And, you know, if you want to find me, I'm on all socials, which is funny. <laughs> Or at on the vision. Um, and uh, I love the chat with you guys. No, absolutely. I loved it. Um, 
I'll give my final thoughts on this as well. Are black men voiceless in society? If you're listening to this and you came on the show thinking, yes, we are, or uh, to a degree, you know, there are things that they don't want to hear. We do all kind of deep conversations every Saturday morning. So make sure you're joining us to make sure you understand this is a platform where you absolutely can be heard. And we, to be honest, we open up to all, no matter the opinion, no matter your demographic. We are a gumbo of, 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 of opinions and ideas with the idea to challenge one another and hope, you know, that we end up being better, one, as an individual, and because we always say if we can, in a sense, help you with the thoughts inside of your own mind, you will be better. Therefore, the community is better. So this is the place to, in a sense, get your voice out. Say it as you need to say it. We're not going to correct you if you say it wrong, if you will. We may challenge you in what you say, but we don't care how you say it. We don't care if you learned it wrong. To get it right, the Mental Dialogue Community Club, all I ask is that you think. See you all next Saturday. And stay tuned for the Just My Three Cent podcast, which is our new video weekly podcast, usually on Wednesday and Thursday nights. Go follow us on YouTube. Find us at Mental Dialogue and see some of our video podcasting where we still let you jump on with those live interactive video podcasts during the week. See y'all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think.